This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go right now to yeah. patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast and give us all your donations yeah. slash stars on the reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, there's a lot we have to talk about, so let's get right into another, it. Another I, daytime recording sesh. Daytime recording sesh. Fueled by caffeine instead of wine. My week was fine. Was your week fine? Yeah, it was fine. All right, let's get to this. So, <laughs> the Catholic... It's almost like you don't really care about my week, Kevin. It? It, it's more that I know this is going to be heavy in like two seconds, oh, so God. we might okay. as well just get to it. All right. Uh, the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania, there was a grand jury that was looking into all the abuse that has gone on for decades... They basically, uh, the grand jury looked through, I think, half a million exhibits and files. They heard victim statements. They heard all of this. They finally released this report that was even delayed for a little while. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the diocese, the the bishops in charge of them were like, no, you, you can go ahead and publish this. We're not stopping you. Mm-hmm. The issue was there were some names named in the thing. Victims and, or perpetrators? Uh, perpetrators who have not been charged with anything, and they oh. wanted to make sure you're not... You know, accusing oh, them without without fair due process, um, all that stuff. So anyway, the state of Pennsylvania finally released this report. Mm-hmm. Some of it is redacted. Some of it, we don't know what they're talking about. It's kind of weird to say, like, here's a, here's a criminal assault that a victim says happened, right. but you can't read any of it because we can't share it with you yet. But the stuff they did publish... Mm-hmm is truly, truly disturbing. We're talking a 1,300-plus page report. Yeah. It implicated 300, more than 300 priests, bishops, lay Catholics, people who work with the church. And this week, I I did something which I was like, well, 1,300 pages, I'll have to skim it. Um. And obviously, I think every news outlet, as soon as it came out, they rushed out these stories for good reason, saying, right. here's the here's the overview but it wasn't until much later you could actually read through this stuff and find out what's going on. How much of it did you actually read? Every single story. You're fucking lying. No, the only thing I didn't look carefully at are the exhibits backing up kind of where this stuff came from because that was another, whatever, that was about 600 pages of it. Uh-huh. But the rest of it you could read through pretty quickly and it's... Okay, awful. Is it it's awful? child abuse, page after page after page. And as someone who has no emotions and no sensitivity to anything, uh-huh. it's like, Jesus Christ, this is, it's just disturbing every page. And here's the deal. I want to I wanna talk about these details because I don't think they get a lot of mention in the news. You might have heard one story or a couple really crazy ones here and there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it does justice to just how fucked up this is and this is what i jotted down as i'm reading through this whole thing like here's some of the stories that you guys gotta hear i'm gonna leave out the priest names not because i i'm a, i don't want to shame them or something no they deserve to be shamed but because it's not the point who it is right a couple things you should know and by the way here's your total here's your trigger warning here is your you should just look at the timestamp and move on to the next story if you don't want to hear any of this stuff because this will take a little can bit I, can i do that you don't get to do that you you have to listen and you can react however you want um i, I jotted these down as i'm reading through them and keep in mind i'm kind of going through it and i'm like you know what that one is i literally had this thought in my head that one's just a story of child rape i will move on to the next one that went through the, my head so many the times. The bar is set at such a place. Yeah. Hey, Dottie, we're doing some serious things. <laughs> Dottie, this Maybe is serious. <laughs> if, you, if you hear <laughs> Dottie in the bath- background, it's because she's vanquishing some rawhides. So. Yes. So, um, yeah, but like the, 
just the bar is set at such a place that like rape of a child in their custody is pedestrian. Yeah. It's the baseline. So many victims. Ugh, okay. And by the way, all, some of this stuff, uh, all of this stuff, just about all of it happened more than a decade ago. This is over the course of the past 50 some years. Mm-hmm. A lot of these priests are dead now. Some of them are still alive, but in, they may no longer be working for the church. Um, the point is, this stuff happened, and then it was covered up, and yeah. we didn't really know the full extent of it until this report came and it's, out. It's the crazy thing is, like, since early two thousands, when like the Boston Globe, yeah. the, spotlight the spotlight story stuff. came out, you think that like, oh, well, this is it. Like, we got the whole story, and it keeps getting yeah. worse. Yeah, it's this blows the spotlight investigation out of the water because the spotlight investigation was, I believe, about what was going on in the diocese of Boston yeah. or around it. This particular report looked at six of Pennsylvania's eight dioceses because okay. two of them did a separate investigation. Um, this is the other six. This covers most of the state. Okay, okay. so this is what they learned from there. All right, here we go. I'm yeah. jotting. Oh, man. This is okay. Let's just skip ahead. Uh, one priest asked a girl when she was 13 or 14 to read a story about Jesus that included the phrase, the cock co- crows three times. Okay. That's part of the Jesus story. He then made her repeat that phrase several times, and then when she left class, he, quote, leaned in and nuzzled her neck <gasps> and asked the victim if she knew what a cock was. No. Yeah. Uh, another priest was about to anally rape a child, but the victim ran away before it could happen, even though it meant running into the street mostly nude. Another guy. Fondled and masturbated at least 12 different kids by saying he was just showing them how to check for cancer. Jesus. And when this one of these stories of the kids went public in 2002 around the spotlight time, and the guy's bishop chastised the victim by arguing, you were 14 when it happened, not 11, like the article said. Uh-huh. What? Okay, yeah. okay. I'm just going to try to measure my outrage and disgust. Oh, I know, because it gets worse. Cool. Uh, another priest abused three victims, one as young as 13, with, and I'm quoting here, choking, slapping, punching, Fuck. rape, sodomy, fellatio, anal intercourse, okay. and more. Another guy. This is one of the more disturbing ones. A priest raped an underage girl, got her pregnant, <gasps> then paid for her abortion, and that guy's bishop later wrote a letter, and it said, this is a very difficult time in your life, and I realize to how whom? upset you are. I, too, share your grief. He wrote that to the victim? No. Hemant, you're lying. Wrote that to the priest. Another guy admitted to molesting approximately 35 male children because, he said, sex with girls is sinful, and raping boys doesn't violate them. Same guy uh, an altar boy also said that same guy told them, go naked under your cassocks during mass, the thing they wear mm-hmm. during services, because God doesn't want man-made clothes touching your skin during services. Jesus. That priest today works at a shopping mall. Where? Oh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, Shut up, Jessica. I, I, it may not be Pennsylvania. He may have moved. Okay. Another guy. He, quote-unquote, married a victim the moment she turned 18 by forging the head bishop's, like, signature on Uh a fake marriage certificate. He eventually married her for real, then had a child with her right afterwards, which means he impregnated her when she was 17. Then they got a divorce. 
That's just so weird. Wait, how could he get married? That's right. How could he get married? He's a Catholic priest, and they don't allow that. They also don't allow abortion. They also don't allow forgery. None of that seemed to matter. And by the way, he stayed in the ministry because a, quote, benevolent bishop took, took him under his wings. All right. Thank God for that bishop. Yeah. Really. Another guy taught middle school kids how to give blowjobs by telling Fuck. them by telling them Mary had to quote bite off the cord <gasps> and lick Jesus clean when he was born. Okay. Another one. Another priest abused five girls in the same family. This Jeez. is going to be disturbing. You should just look away. Among other things, he collected their urine, Ah. pubic hair, menstrual blood, in a device attached to his toilet, and then ingested it. This happened after he worked at a Catholic high school and had been accused of telling a student he wanted to watch her go to the bathroom. Happened afterwards. Uh All right. Another priest tried to have sex with a 17-year-old girl at a high school he worked at by saying, God wants us to express love for each other this way. And when she said, God's going to punish us, he said, there is no hell. Well, that's convenient. Mm. Another guy. This one, this guy was part of a predatory priest ring that shared intelligence on victims and exchanged them with each other. They manufactured uh, child pornography on church property using, quote, whips, violence, and sadism in raping their victims. That there's, that can A ring. That can't, I cannot believe that. Another guy asked three altar boys to pose like statues and then tried to tie him up with rope. He also used whips and leather straps on a victim after tying up his hands. Another guy raped several boys as young as 10. That guy went to prison, and after he went to prison, it was discovered he had been HIV positive for years. No, 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 no. Here's a disturbing one. This guy forced a nine-year-old boy to give him a blowjob, then washed his mouth out with holy water to, quote, purify him. No, thank you. Uh, Another guy served a high school boy juice. The boy then woke up with no memory (gasps) of what happened, but there was bleeding from his rectum. This is one of the more, yeah. Distur- I don't think you need to qualify them anymore. They're all Another one. pretty bad. Uh, he dragged a child across the room by his underwear, beat him with a metal cross. What? He eventually quit the priesthood, but he did ask the bishop to give him a letter of recommendation no. for his next job, wait for it, at Walt Disney World. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Another guy. Abused one girl when she was 14, forcing her to masturbate him and blow him. When she turned 18, he visited her, asked for sex, and her hand in marriage. She said no to both. Mm. Uh, One priest is the reason a little girl told her mother she knows how to French kiss. Mm. Cool. Here's, this one got to me. This priest molested a 12-year-old boy. The boy's friend did not believe it when the boy told him until that friend hid in a closet (gasps) and watched it happen another time. And by the way, that victim, the 12-year-old boy, he's now 83. He's fought in wars. That guy said, no matter what I've been through in the wars, he can't hug or kiss his own children who are boys. He can't shake hands with men to this day. He can't even see male doctors or dentists. He said he did see a therapist, but only because she was female and he could talk to her and be alone with her. Another guy was known to take a picture in boys' locker rooms and maintained a book of crotch shots. Okay. 
another guy had a lot of male victims, but his diocese investigated it and they dismissed allegations from one girl who also said he molested her because the priest denied it. And his argument and his as to like, oh, no, I would never molest a girl. It's because girls, quote, do not have a penis. Just like sure. that. There you go. Well. Um, Another guy, a teacher at a Catholic high school, asked for advice by a student who had impregnated his girlfriend. So the kid goes to the priest, says, you got to, like, what advice do you have? The priest said, well, let me conduct a prostate exam on you no. to see if you're capable of impregnating no. a woman, which is not how it works. No. Yeah. Another victim said that same priest guided him through sexual rituals to prove my faith and the fact that I was not a homosexual. How that works, I don't know. Fuck. Um, another guy and other priests in the seminary had a fierce competition, said one victim, to molest boys who didn't have fathers or had bad relationships with their fathers. Um, another guy taught at a Catholic high school, coached their wrestling team, taught them different moves, naked, because that's how the ancient Greeks and Romans did it. Mm -hmm. And then during those practices, he sodomized the victim. What? I can't believe it. Uh That's such a weird twist. Um, Another guy took a victim into the confessional booth, tied him up with rope. The victim screamed. No. The priest shut him up by shoving his penis in (gasps) the boy's mouth. Fuck! And when the victim would ex- uh, wouldn't accept it, he sodomized him with a crucifix and called him a bad boy. No. Another guy fondled the boy, stuck his finger up the boy's ass, then said if their secret ever got out, the child and the mother would both burn in hell. And then he gave the kid a nickel. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting through these. Uh, another guy said to a victim if he confessed his sins and wasn't too bad, he'd get a special... Strawberry lollipop or popsicle. So the boy did confess uh, multiple times to this priest, and the priest would then whip his dick out and say, it's a lollipop. No. Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel real. Uh, this feels... Page after page. Another priest. Uh, is the reason one victim said as an adult, I don't remember the last time I laughed. That oh, same victim yeah. confessed that I peed in the priest's mouth because he used to come in mine. And that he felt like he was a frickin' prostituting him. He was frickin' prostituting himself at the age of 12 or 13. Another guy anally raped a 21-year-old man uh, with Down syndrome. God damn it. And that victim was hospitalized for surgery for a blockage of the lower bowel. Oh. Um, another priest had so many victims that when his diocese confronted about uh, him about all the allegations, or at least one particular one, he said, I don't remember it. But, quote, with my history, anything is possible. Another guy, one of the more truly messed up ones, raped a seven-year-old in the hospital after she had gotten her tonsils removed. And then he raped her again when she was 19 and pregnant. Another guy touched several little girls, and when he was confronted about it by his diocese, he admitted it, saying, it was when I was going through a touchy-feely time in my life. Sure. Um... Another guy admitted to molesting several boys, confessed his sins to another priest, and got the advice to never call police or turn himself in. He was just told to pray about it. Sure. And then it would happen again, and he'd get the same advice, and this cycle went on for a while. Another, boy, another priest molested a 16-year-old during a camping trip. The boy resisted, and the priest said, sometimes we say no when we really mean yes. No. Another guy abused a girl no older than 10, 
And when she told the principal of their Catholic school that this guy touched her in weird ways, the principal called her a demon child for making those terrible accusations. Another guy abused an 11-year-old girl, wrestled with her on the floor at her parents' house when her daddy wasn't home. One time when she resisted, he said, I like a fighter. No. Another guy entered a bathroom with an underage boy, put his hands down the boy's shorts. When the boy said to stop tickling him, the response was, I'm not trying to tickle you. I'm trying to grab for something. Another guy took a nine-year-old boy to his rectory bedroom, told the kid to take off his clothes, then squeezed his penis 70 times before sticking a finger in his ass. Later, even though the mother wanted to file criminal charges, she dropped them because, quote, she was threatened and harassed by church officials and told she should just let the church handle it. Another truly messed up one. One guy fondled a young boy on a Ferris wheel during a church festival. And the boy couldn't get off the ride because the priest told the operator to keep the ride going three times longer than it should have. Oh my God. Another guy went to the shower with a 12-year-old boy to make sure he was showering properly. Another guy kissed an underage girl with his tongue and sucked her lips. And when the church officials asked him about it, because there were witnesses, he said he was just trying to recruit her for the convent. What? Yeah. Uh, another guy, when the victim turned 15 or 16, he asked the priest to stop molesting him, threatened to go public. The priest then grabbed him by the throat and threatened to kill him if he told anyone. He also threatened to tell the victim's parents he was gay. Another guy. That's the worst thing he could imagine. Uh, another guy masturbated in front of a student at their Catholic school, like just in front of him. And then if in case some semen got on his face, he would give him a handkerchief. To this day, the victim says he goes from, quote, sad to angry whenever he sees a handkerchief. Uh, Another guy molested an underage boy many times and then paid the victim a finder's fee if he could find other young chickens for him to have sex with. Um, Another guy took pictures of underage boys when their swim trunks were down to their ankles. The staff said they saw the pictures until they magically disappeared because he might have destroyed the images. But then a couple of years uh, ago, recently, I think, uh, he was arrested because there was a guy who went to a mall bathroom, saw a camera (gasps) in the stall, and reported it. It got linked back to this guy. And the priest, who was there, he denied it, then said to the officer, like, I'm sick, runs into a stall, flushes the memory card down the toilet. I don't know how that happens, but there you go. Seriously, just a couple more here. He molested another guy, molested a 10-year-old girl after dropping her friend off at home, grabbed her wrists, put his hand over her mouth, put his knee to her stomach to hold her down, then said he would, he would not kill her if she would just lie quietly. No. And another guy told a 14-year-old girl she had the body of an 18-year-old woman and then commented on her, quote, sex hair. Yeah. yeah. So this, here's the thing. Sorry. Sorry for saying all that, but it's there. Um, This is what's in the actual report, these stories, one by one by one. And they just tell you, this is what the victims said. Some of these people are dead. We can't do anything about it. In some cases, the statute of limitations has run out, so we Mm -hmm. can't do anything about it. But we want to get this on the record. And by the way, the bishops, uh, I believe under Catholic law, they have to keep all these papers uh, about documentation about all this stuff. Sure, I definitely trust Catholic law now. (laughs) The special investigators actually got access. They subpoenaed the, quote, secret archive, which is actually what the church calls it, and they got access to these files, which is why we know about all this stuff. Um, One of the good things the grand jury did 
in their reporting on this stuff is they didn't just tell these stories. They did two things that I thought this is actually useful here. They said the priests and the church itself followed a playbook for concealing the truth. Like, how did they do this? How did you keep this hidden? And you could tell the grand jury is like pissed, yeah. obviously. And they said, here's how they did it. Number, there's seven steps. Number one, they used euphemisms throughout the paperwork and all the testimony and everything. They never say rape. Mm-hmm. They say inappropriate contact or boundary issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, they don't investigate with trained personnel. They always let the clergy members, you know, ask the victims inadequate questions before judging their own colleagues on what they did. It was always in-house, right? Mm-hmm. Number three, they always evaluated priests at church-run treatment centers, not some third-party secular psychiatrist or whatever that kept it in-house. They never said, number four, why a priest was removed from a church. If they ultimately did kick somebody out, mm-hmm. they never told the congregation why. They just said, he's on sick leave or something. Uh, number five, they kept providing priests with living expenses or retirements or whatever, pensions, even after the allegations. So it, there was no disincentive to not do this stuff. Number six, they would just transfer the priests if the crime became common knowledge. You know, send him to a place where no one knows he's a child abuser. And number seven, don't tell the police. Keep yeah. it in-house. Um, now, if you're looking for... Yeah, hopefully you're pissed off and angry. What do you do about this? And the grand jury said, here's what we recommend. Uh, eliminate the criminal statute of limitations. Good. Right? Uh, just get rid of it. If it's a thing like they said, the Pennsylvania law allows you to come forward until you're 50. But a lot of the victims they spoke to are now 70, mm-hmm. 80, and they had no legal recourse. Um, they just spent their entire lives traumatized, but there was nothing they could legally do about it. They also said, let the victims sue the diocese. Yeah. Um, in some cases, they ran out of time before they could even sue, and they needed time after they knew what was up to sue the diocese and make them pay for it. Mm-hmm. Like, the window shouldn't be closed off. Obviously, mandate reporting of abuse, even in church. Like, it, just because someone confesses it in a confessional booth, you, there's no seal of protection, even if the church wants it. Right. And finally, no confidentiality agreements. The church had them for decades. They gave vi- some victims money to shut them up. Um, so, yeah, truly, truly disturbing stuff. Imagine what that does to you when you just read through it, much less be a victim of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, I just want to reiterate this. this is, these stories are from six dioceses out of eight in Pennsylvania. Imagine what you would find if a similar investigation was conducted in every state, much less every country. Mm-hmm. And... It's true. It's it's disturbing. It's messed up. This is what you are supporting when you support the Catholic Church. When you give money to your church, this is the sort of thing it goes for. I'm sure your church is okay, mm-hmm. right? That's how everyone thinks about this stuff if you're a Catholic. Like, my people are fine. Right. But this is the system you're supporting. This is something... One of the things this report revealed is it's systemic. This is not one bad priest. This is not one bad apple. It's a rotten orchard. Mm -hmm. And the church... uh, How high up did this go? I mean, these are cardinals in some cases who knew about these stories and did nothing about it, or at least not enough about it. This is a really dumb question. You have the priests. You have the bishops who kind of oversee the archdiocese. Cardinals are above them, too. And the pope gets elected from the cardinals. By the cardinals, cardinals. right. Okay. So, I mean, it, it goes high up. And by the way, for at least 24 to 48 hours after this report was released, you know what the Vatican said? Silence. Zip. 
they finally released a statement like 48 hours later. Yeah, it's Ugh. God, it's it's a fucking nightmare. Um I also have some uh some stuff to talk about with that. Okay, so now reading what I'm about to read, it's yeah. even more upsetting um yeah. because obviously Catholics are reacting to this as 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 they want to do. Um, and uh, Michael Stone uh, wrote a piece about re- reporting on uh, Bill Donahue. Yeah, the Catholic League The guy. Catholic League president. Um, and he released a, um, a report that... Uh, no, I'm sorry. He called the report released by the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, quote, an obscene lie. And he posted something titled... Quote, Pennsylvania grand jury report debunked. Yeah, it's an 11-page report that he just put out after a day, mm-hmm. I, or a couple days, rather. And basically, the whole thing is, I mean, he's basically trying to make excuses for all Which of this. Which is fucking astounding. It mm-hmm. is unconscionable that anybody... There are If you're Catholic and you want to remain and you think Catholicism still has good merit, fucking fine... But to discount what these kids and adults went through is horrifying. This man is a fucking monster. He, he basically dismissed a lot of the reports saying like, well, first of all, most of the victims were boys, which means this is all about homosexuality, he, not abuse or power or something He also like that. says that um, there's a, quote, myth that priests raped their victims. He said, quote, this is an obscene lie. Most of the alleged victims were not raped. They were groped or otherwise abused, but not penetrate, not penetrated, which is what the word rape means. Oh, good. So we have, I mean, this is what their standard is now. They're de- redefining, like, abuse. Like, well, it wasn't technically God, rape, so let's not jump overboard here. It's with... the exact same garbage that's happening in, like, the Trump administration of, like, oh, there's no collusion. Well, we didn't know <laughs> He's about not it. racist because he didn't say the <laughs> say N-word. Say the N-word. <laughs> like, yeah, that's super how it works, guys. Nice work. Uh, he said it's not a defense. It's meant to set the record straight and debunk mm-hmm. the worst-case scenarios yeah. attributed to... I attributed to the offenders. He also said, by the way, that a lot of the victims were like 12, 13, 14, 15. It's not like they were three, four, or five, even though some of them were. But he's like, oh, if they got molested when they were 15, you know, tone it down, everyone. Yeah, Joe My God said, uh, Donahue goes on to denounce the media for using the term pedophilia to describe the incidents when Donahue claims most of the victims were post-pubescent. And... As he always does, Donahue rants that the media is providing cover for the LGBT movement, okay, by not describing the assailants, assailants as gay priests and by sensationalizing the, quote, minority of cases involving preteen girls, which, A, I... No. No, they're super not. It's not... I mean, again, this is the same discussion people have when we talk about, like, prison rape. Like, oh, they're going to go to prison. They're going to get raped there. It's not because the prisoners are gay. It's because... No. I don't. There's a lot of reasons for it. I'm not the it's, expert here, but it's we, access. Always, if always, this always. Is my options. It's about power. It's not about sex. Yeah, it's about power. Again, who are these priests around? They're around altar boys. They're around boys. Yeah. more than girls. When you give them access and no outlet, and also, who fucking cares? Like, yeah, they raped a kid. Who gives a fuck about that kid's gender? Right. I right. don't care. I don't see any. There's. We can talk about like the the steps of how deep this shit gets and how dark it is. 
But fuck, I don't think raping a 12-year-old girl is any better or worse, morally speaking, than raping a 12-year-old boy. So, like, who gives a fuck? What Donahue is doing is trying to, like, rank this stuff. That's exactly what he's doing. Trying to say, this "This not as bad as people think. Like, why are you trying to say this type of abuse is better than another type of abuse? I don't give a shit how Dawkins got in trouble for that shit, and he didn't even, wasn't even trying to do it, but he said something to that effect, like, this type of rape is better than that. And he got nailed for it, and good. He yeah, deserved it. Donahue so. isn't accidentally doing that. No, He's no, no. He's right no. up front saying this rape isn't that bad because it was 15, because it was. And this Jesus issue. Christ, when, when a community that you are a part of reveals itself to be systemically abusive of the very people they're supposed to be protective of, and your first instinct is to like lessen the damage or blame some or shift blame to the media, what the fuck? fuck is wrong with you? And trying you to are... lessen the damage. Like, this is one state. It's only going to get worse. It's one state. He is, as far as I'm concerned, Donahue is fucking complicit yeah. in this as much as anybody else. He, but he's a nobody. This is the thing. He, he's, I don't care. He's I don't mouth care. And he says he's this Catholic. is what he says? This is his fucking reaction? No, no, no. That's his reaction. I'm saying that that reaction, he's one guy who just professes to speak for all these people. I don't know that he actually does. The problem is there are actual Catholic leaders in the church hierarchy who say a lot of the same stuff. And that's disturbing because, like, no one, Donahue's like a loudmouth who kind of basically speaks for himself. Mm-hmm. But the actual church leaders are effectively saying the same thing where they're trying to dismiss it by saying this happened. I have heard this from a lot of church leaders. I don't have a quote in front of me, but one of the reactions from like Pennsylvania church leaders is, look, all of these stories are horrific, but I think only two of them that uh, happened 10 years ago and the rest of them happened before then, Mm -hmm. we are better now. We don't do this now. Based on fucking what? (laughs) Based on what fucking evidence are you better now? Well, they're saying we don't even get these allegations anymore. This is in our past if you want to criticize us, fine, but do it in and the why past. And tr- why would I trust that? That's why would I trust that they're totally not getting allegations? fair question. But I'm saying that, to me, is more disturbing than Donahue's dismissal because he's always going to say the Catholic Church does no wrong. He also does a thing where he's like, you know, public schools see this sort of thing all the time, too. But public schools will fire the teachers yeah. when they do this. There's, There's a way to deal there with it. There isn't systemic fucking cover-up. Yeah. There's no administrative thing saying, like, let's trade kids. Oh, fuck me. Um, I here's uh, going away from the details for a second. If Spotlight and that investigation in 2002, if that spurred people to eventually walk away from the church because of how disturbing it was, Mm -hmm. in theory, this should do that even more so than before. Like people who are currently going to a Catholic church or calling proudly calling Mm -hmm. themselves Catholic because they believe this stuff, you, I mean, I hope they learn a lesson from this and say, like, this is the people, these are the people I've been supporting for so long. I hope it leads them to leave the church because that's the only maybe silver lining in all this, that it'll make people realize how fucked up the church is and then leave it. I think... But I don't know if they've been numbed to all the abuse scandal where it's just like, well, there's another scandal, I guess. I've dealt with it. I think if I've learned anything since, since 2016... It's that tribalism is a thing to fucking be reckoned with. It is not... Mm. It, it's, it's, it's brainwashing on a higher level. It's what we're seeing in the GOP, and it's what we're seeing with, with Catholics, that because they identify as Catholic, they cannot 
be objective and say, this is monstrous and I don't want to be associated with it anymore. And I get that it's complicated if you're a ra- you know, it's, I, I don't, I don't know. I, that's, it's never something I've been exposed to because what do I have in my life that given definitive evidence that it's a monstrosity, I still feel obligated to be a part of it. I don't know. Do you lose your faith in God? Do you lose your faith in the Catholic Church and the Pope? At what point, like, where does it, how far down does it go? No one's saying you have to give up your faith in God just to Catholics. Like, you can believe the same stuff. You do not have to belong to this organization there and support it and prop it up. And parents who are choosing to send their kids to a Catholic school because even if they have other options or People who say, like, I got to take my kid to CCD class Mm because they need this moral guidance. Have you seen who's delivering this moral guidance? Yeah. Those are the people who need to be thinking long and hard about this because they're the ones propping up the whole system. I just don't understand. I I just don't understand. I don't understand how you can go to church every Sunday and see a man who proclaims to speak for God and knowing that there is a greater than zero chance that he is a fucking monster, but still, but like, but still claims to speak for God. So how do you know? How do you know who's really speaking for God and who's lying? Yeah, you really hope these aren't the people who are doing it. I mean... It's disturbing. Um, do you want to move to something else? No, right. I... <laughs> um, there is a piece written called um, It's Really Hard to Be Catholic, The Pain of Reading the Sex Abuse Report. Um, it was written by Campbell Robertson and Sharon Otterman. Um, they just kind of spoke to a bunch of Catholic people and got, read their reaction. Um, John Gehring, the Catholic program director at Faith and Public Life, which is a national network of faith, faith leaders, said it's really hard right now to be... I, I think right now it's really hard to be a Catholic. Everywhere you look, things to be, seem to be falling apart. Um, I'm debating whether to roll my eyes or to say, fine, I hope you realize that because... I mean, I don't feel bad for you. Yeah. I hope you realized, yeah, well, that's Catholicism. Deal with it and get out. Yeah. Um, mm, Jessica uh, Beatty, B-E-D-E, said um, she believed that the church leadership had not been living up to its people. Several people said that if church leaders had trusted in the unshakable faith of the parishioners, they would not have engaged in such extraordinary cover-ups, but the leaders have fallen short again. Um, Barbara Bow in Boston. This is the sort of thing you say when one priest is guilty of one allegation like this. Mm-hmm. This is not what you say when 300-plus people over the course of decades have those stories that we just talked about where it's like, well, if they had just listened to us right. or if they had like followed their vows, like yeah. they're not... Um, Barbara Bow grew up in Catholic school. She's a nurse. She's fallen away from the church, and she says, as of now, she's unlikely to return anytime soon. Quote, as far as priests and nuns being believed, that's gone. The authority is gone. Um, uh, uh, Myrda Criswell uh, from Miami said uh, she believes the report's 100%. She said the sex abuse scandal that began in Boston had been painful enough, but the latest reports have left her even more exasperated. While the scandals would not ever erode her commitment to the faith, she believes they showed some of the church rules need to be revisited. She said the Catholic Church has to change. They have to let their priests marry to have a family. Humans need sex. This is Okay, so this is an interesting thing. How do you fix a situation? One potential solution I've heard is like, well, just let them... That too. uh, Let them get married. Let them be openly gay. 
if they want to be and in relationships and would that solve it? And I, I find it very almost lazy to say, well, all they need is an outlet. If they were allowed to date, Mm -hmm. if they were allowed to get married and have families, then this abuse wouldn't happen. But that's not how abuse works. It's not how abuse works. And that's, I mean, it's not like they're, raping these kids because well I just ran out of options and I had to rape somebody right like it's not it's not a bad suggestion for making people more mentally healthy if they're going to go into this particular line of work but let's not pretend that let's not pretend that like people who all people who rape women or children or whatever do so because they can't get sex elsewhere. Right, right, right. And by the way, it's, they chose the priest, they chose the life that said you're going to be celibate for life. And Mm -hmm. if you're gay, you're not going to act on it ever. They chose that. And they're doing this. So I don't know that loosening the restrictions, because that option was always there for just about all of them. Yeah. Um, This one arcs me a little bit. Uh, Robert Romano, 62, in Manhattan, he said, quote, there's a lot of bad apples, and they've got to be cleaned out. I'm not coming to church for a priest. I'm coming because in my heart there's something else. Um, I believe that. I I think that's why they're not phased by this stuff as much as they should be, because they think, well, it's just, how many bad apples does it take for them to say, "Mm, the whole system's messed up? Clearly not enough. People flipping this... uh, Brett Sullivan, who um, I don't know where he is from, but he said to flip through the pages and have a name leap out at me like that. You know, my childhood priest. Painfully to realize, almost he was a so he was an altar boy for this mm-hmm. for this priest, uh, Reverend George Koichik. Uh, Painfully to realize, almost a sense of relief that it hadn't been an altar server that he'd abused. Like that's where it is. I just. I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I'm I just burn it the fuck down. Yeah. It's, I and If you not. support the Catholic church, this is the system that you're supporting. Yeah. So, all right. I'm going to move on to a different story just because we could talk about this forever, but there's a, there's a few other big ones I want to get to. Here's a little <laughs> light one. Uh, the Mormon church president, uh, Russell M. Nelson would like you to know that he spoke to God mm-hmm. or God spoke to him. Oh. And he has a message for everyone. Cool. Thank you. You can't call us the Mormon church. Stop it. Don't call them Mormons. LDS? Nope. Not what? allowed either. LD, stop calling it the LDS church. What is it? Yeah. So he said, according to the new guidelines published by the Mormon church. Published by God. Uh, published by God. Uh, the first time you call the, refer to the church, you should call them the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is not new. We always knew yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, if you need a shorter version of that, right? Not LDS. Uh, here's your options. Oh, good. Okay, the wait. Church. Let me write this down. The church. <laughs> There are no other ones, just the church. It's like the band. (laughs) Yeah. Or the Church of Jesus Christ. Also, the restored Church of Jesus Christ, because fuck you, Christians. Wow. (laughs) Wait, I thought he was trying to shorten it. The restored (laughs) Church of Jesus Christ. Literally, the guideline says, when a shortened reference is needed, dot, 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 the restored Church of Jesus Christ is also accurate and encouraged. Just trips off the tongue. He also said later, please avoid using the abbreviation LDS or the nickname Mormon as substitutes for the name of the church, as in Mormon Church, LDS Church. He wants church. us to call it the church. <laughs> the Reformed Church also works. Um, which also, Mormon Tabernacle Choir, like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Tabernacle, Tabernacle Choir, Choir doesn't really have the same ring to it. Um, they also said, we asked that the term Mormons not be used. 
Sure. Okay. Uh huh. By the way, uh, I, from hearing from other Mormons, they're like they've tried to do this before, and yeah. then the last guy was like, yeah, "I don't this, care." But this time, God said it. So, <laughs> well, God always talks all of them, and the last guy said, "Like God told me, don't worry about it." God is a fickle but, God. But this one, this one says, "Like, nope, this oh, is no. what's going to be." I don't know how seriously anyone will take it, and oh, even no. if Mormons will take it that seriously, I broke but my church pen, Hammett. Yeah. Well. Catholics, you know. No, it's not um, Catholics. It's <laughs> Christian. So, in a way, though, congratulations, Jess. We've defeated Mormonism. Yay! Um, at least we're in the name. real heroes. I know. Let's get to this one because uh, it involves Jack Phillips, the masterpiece cake shop guy. Remember, he had the Supreme Court case, uh, or went to the Supreme Court because Jack Phillips, the owner of Masterpiece Bake Shop, cake shop, said a gay couple walked in, or at least a gay guy walked in, said, "I need a wedding cake." And Jack Phillips later found out it was for the man's gay wedding and oh said, I'm not going to sell you the cake. And the big issue is that he didn't want to sell a cake to the gay couple that he would have sold to a straight couple. It was the same cake. Yeah. It's not like it had a message that said, go gay marriage. It didn't say anything. Just a regular cake, a regular wedding cake. He would have sold it to a straight couple. He did not sell it to a gay couple. Mm-hmm. Supreme Court said... We're totally not touching this with a 10-foot pole. We'll give you the victory, Jack Phillips. Oh, yeah, But yeah. on a technicality, because the Colorado Commission of whatever equal rights, they basically said, well, they were biased against you because of some offhand comments. Oh, yeah. Which was not true. But they said they were biased, so we'll say they fucked up, so the whole process was messed up. Jack Phillips won on a technicality. Technically, he won, but like no, Christ- no conservative Christians were like, yay, we got what we wanted. They didn't. But here's what's happened now. I guess last year, the day that the Supreme Court said, we'll take your case, a lawyer uh, calls him up. The, uh, her name is Autumn Scardina. She called him up and said, I need you to make me a cake. It's a birthday cake. And it comes out in the course of her conversation with the staffer she was talking to Mm -hmm. that she also happens to be transgender. Mm -hmm. And this would be like an anniversary of her coming out as transgender. Oh, okay. So then Jack Phillips said, I'm not making you a cake because because I'm just not. It was no accident then. Autumn picked this particular baker. Am I right? Oh, I I think that's totally right. Now, the argument here is... She didn't call them and say, make me my trans cake. She said, make me a birthday cake. Mm -hmm. It did come out that she was transgender. But what was she ordering? She was ordering a birthday cake that was blue on the outside and pink on the inside. (laughs) Now (laughs) That's clever. uh, That is a cake he would make for a straight cis person. Mm -hmm. He would make it. But because she's trans, Mm -hmm. he said no. That's her argument. And now this is effectively the same argument they were trying to make last year because uh, Autumn complained to the Colorado Commission. The commission yeah, said... Yeah, that's just straight up discrimination based is. on... like Based on her gender uh, identities. Uh, oh, yikes. Yeah. And so, by the way, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission said this is discrimination. They did it with the gay couple. They did it with her. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same story. And so what is Jack Phillips doing once again? He's suing the commission, which is what he did last time. And it made its way up to the Supreme Court last time. Really? It oh, lo- so you think it's going to happen again? It's totally going to happen again because nothing has really changed mm. and we never got an answer. Now, here's the scary thing. Kennedy is no longer on the court. Yeah, I'm aware. Kavanaugh may be on the court by the time this gets up there, if it gets there. But we don't really know how the justices are going to rule. I mean, 
I'm not naive here, but like technically, I don't know what John Roberts is going to say about this because it's pretty clear cut discrimination. Right. Obviously, I think he's going to side with the conservatives like he almost always does. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not really clear because they punted on it last time. Yeah. So, but again, the story here is Christian Baker won't make trans woman a birthday cake. Take a wild guess why. Right. You know? Interesting. So that happened. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Oh, um, here's a follow-up for you, too. Remember we were talking about Willow Creek and all their drama? Yo, that shit keeps getting worse. I know. Jessica sends me another Willow Creek text alert. I'm like, the fuck they do this time? And it they did it's something It's getting worse. Yeah, this is... By the way, this has nothing to do with Bill Hybels, necessarily. Well... It, it's not about the scandal that they've been embroiled in for the better part of this year. Mm-hmm. It turns out records that uh, were either released or made public or a reporter found showed that Willow Creek, the mega church outside of Chicago paid out more than $3.25 million to settle sex abuse cases that involved one of their volunteers allegedly molesting two different special needs kids in their special needs uh, ministry. That's so fucking disgusting. He was 24 years old. Obviously, he got away with it twice. And one of the kids that uh, accused him, that was the victim... There was a $1.5 million payout to one kid, $1.75 to the other. The story that they said is that this volunteer abused one of the boys repeatedly, and the church didn't do anything about it. They should have acted on the warning signs. Instead, the kid was allowed to be there, and he ended up molesting somebody else. And Willow Creek said, we'll just settle this before it goes to court. I guess because they wanted to avoid drama. And yet. And yet. Here we are. Willow, what the fuck? Yo. Um, Just burn it all to the ground. Yeah. What? Pat Robertson. You want to talk about him? I guess. I guess I haven't been angry enough today. I know. Pat Robertson is not the guy you go to for advice. Correct. But he does have a Q&A session on the 700 Club. And one of the women, uh, someone, some woman wrote in to basically say, here's the question she asked. My daughter just told me she was sexually abused by a neighbor boy at the age of six. And she's now 35. How do I forgive and deal with this? The guilt and helplessness is overwhelming. Now, I assume I was wondering the same thing. Who does she want to forgive? The girl didn't do anything wrong. But let's say it's the neighbor. Now, maybe the right answer to this is to say, like... Call the police. (laughs) Well, statute of limitations may have run out again. So, yeah, sure. You can go to the authorities. Make sure your daughter's seeing somebody. If she wants to see a therapist, make sure she's okay and able to deal with it. Uh And... Go to a therapist (laughs) yourself, my dude. That, too... Tell the mother it's not her fault this happened. You could say a bunch of things that could kind of make sense here. What did Pat Robertson say? I don't know if I have the strength for this. There are two things he said that are problematic. Here's the first one. Uh, May I say, I think you're making too big a deal of it. No. uh, Uh, So that was... Robertson, what? Dot, dot, dot. That was 30 years ago. So, I mean, get over it. I mean, I can't imagine that she has some kind of a scar in her life. I have to leave this podcast. I know. Uh, I he can't went, do this anymore. He went on to say, I think it's something else if a priest or somebody like that in sure. authority has molested your kid. That's a whole nother matter. Unless but it's couple, actually happened, but in a which case I don't care kids, either. But a couple of little kids trying to experiment. I mean, little children are little children. That's number two, which is that how does he know the person who molested this girl was a little child? He thinks they were playing doctor when she was six. There is nothing in this woman's letter that says... These kids were just fooling around as kids when they were six. No, For all we know, it's a 15-year-old neighbor. You know what I mean? Like, 
He's she a didn't, fucking monster. She didn't explain. They're all monsters. He assumed that this is just little kids fooling around, not that this was a serious molestation case. And Fuck that oh, guy. Robertson. Oh my Christ! So that happened. Do you want to talk about a happy story? I guess. Um, is there any happiness in the world anymore? I'm looking, and the answer is no. No. Here's one that happened uh, today, Friday. Um, it's not so much a sad one, but it, it reaffirms what you we've talked about. You just want to be happy. It's happier um, because it's out in the public. <laughs> Here's the story. Uh, Liberty University, the Jerry Falwell Jr. School. Okay, no happy story starts with Liberty University. You know well, that. Here's, uh, we've known for like the better part of a year that like Jerry Falwell Jr. totally uh, controls the student newspaper. So in 2016, there were students at Liberty who really disliked Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, they opposed Hillary too. Sure. But they really disliked Donald Trump. And they, like, one student wanted to write an editorial saying, like, here's why Donald Trump is a horrible candidate. This is right after the Access Hollywood tape came Uh out. Jerry Falwell Jr. said, basically, we're not publishing that. Like, suppressed it. Totally. Um, This past year, we talked about this on the podcast, there was a group of progressive Christians called, like, the Red Letter Christians that Mm -hmm. follow the words of Jesus that were doing a rally outside of Lynchburg, Virginia, where Liberty is based, and a few Liberty students were going to go to that rally, as they have every right to do. Right. And one of the students who uh, I think was an editor for the school paper basically said, all right, well, I'm going to cover that because Liberty students are going to be there. I mean, we have a hook. Right. So I'm going to go cover it. And he basically told her, no, you're not. You're not going to cover it because those they, they just want publicity. So no. So, I mean, this is what the guy does to legit journalistic things at his school. Mm-hmm. Um, World Magazine, which is a Christian publication, just published a story today basically uh, talking about what journalism is like at Liberty University. And it turns out this I is the most... I feel like journalism <laughs> is going to be in some pretty big scare quotes. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The, yes, you're right to that. But the students, I think, are getting an unfair rap here because whatever their reasons are for going to Liberty, these students want to be journalists. And yeah. they, they want to be good journalists. And so when they're covering a story like the Red Letter Christians... That's a good story. You can be Christian and cover that story or whatever brand of Christianity you want and write about it in a fair, objective way, and that's fine. So the kids are trying to do things the right way. Right. Right? But according to World Magazine, they were talking about kind of the suppression they've had to deal with, and it turns out they basically fired one kid. He wrote an article about... um, maybe like stuff that goes on in the dorms that shouldn't have been going on in the dorms and not really an expose so much as like, this is the reality of the situation. They, they suppressed that article too. And this guy was announced to be their next editor in chief this coming school year. But, fired? but after some of the suppression stuff came out and they tried to clamp down on the paper, he got fired as editor in chief, which also meant he lost partial scholarship to the oh my school. God. But here's the thing. He began recording meetings with the administration, and this is what World Magazine got a hold of. Wow. And so they quoted the dean of the School of Communication and Digital Content, Bruce Kirk, uh, the guy who's supposed to be your mentor on this stuff. And here's one of the things. Later, Kirk spoke about the story about the progressive group, the Mm -hmm. red-letter Christians, and he says to the staff of the paper, I think everybody here is intelligent enough to understand that that story has got some real negative overtones, undertones, <gasps> potentials. You have to consider that as a starting point and say, okay, what's the benefit for this? What's going to happen that is positive for liberty? 
Nothing, dude. That's not how journalism <laughs> does. Not how journalism works. Another time, he told the staff that they were not there to do actual reporting. Here's here's what he told the new staffers. He told the staff this? Here's what he told the new staffers. Your job is to keep the LU reputation and the image as it is. Don't destroy the image of LU. Pretty simple, okay? Well, you might say, well, that's not my job. My job is to do journalism. Yeah. My job is to be First Amendment. To be First to Amendment. To be First Amendment. My job is to go out and dig and investigate, and I should do anything I want to do because I'm a journalist. Yeah. So let's get that notion out of your head, oh, okay? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'd hate, you know what? I would hate for journalists to be seekers of the truth. God, that would just be I know. the worst of all possible is, worlds. Yeah. Look, Liberty gets a bad rap for good reason for saying, like, well, they teach bullshit. They yep. Bullshit science classes. They teach David Barton, Barton revisionist Christian history. Um, we know that. We know how they treat gay people, things like that. But, like, the students there really did think that writing for the newspaper, like, they could actually be journalists. They could actually do this. And the school's telling them, no, 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 this is not a student newspaper. This is a PR outlet for us, basically. Jesus. And now they're... They're basically leaking the story. The wow. students are. Because that's how you do journalism. Yeah. And they leaked it to good journalists, too. And the sad part here is they're being stifled in their careers by the very people who are supposed to help them grow in this field and get jobs in this field. It's so like, fucked. And it's so fucked. credit to the students, though, for recognizing, like, no, that's not how you do it. Yeah. You guys are wrong here. We're right about this. Um, but And just to put a finer point on this, I mean, journalism, it's about asking questions and doing research and following the reporting where it leads, whereas Liberty and Falwell and their type of Christianity is, we have all the answers, right. we know all the answers, you should never stray from those answers, even if your reporting takes you somewhere else. I mean, it's the exact same thing as, as science, right? If you start with your conclusion and right. find shit to line up with that, then that's not how science goes. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. So, I mean, hats off to the students for handling this the way they should handle this, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I don't know how it changes, though. That's the thing. I don't know what it's happens to Liberty's paper from here on out. The only thing we can out. do is say, like, put a big fucking asterisk next to Liberty if you graduated from there. And Yeah. And that's sad because, again, it's hurting the students. And I really don't want to punish the students for the, fo- for the problems run by the administration and in Falwell, I, even if they go to Liberty. Even if they go to Liberty. But, like, there's a, even taking a step back from that, like, we've gotten emails and letters from people whose parents all pay for college if you go to Liberty, if you right. go to this Christian they university. Don't necessarily so even, have a choice. It's all bad. It's all bad and bad and worse. Yeah. Do we have more? Are we almost done? I got one more for you. This okay. is not so much a... It's, it's a typical story we've heard extremely before. extremely drained. Too. I know. Um, there's a Catholic school in Indiana, uh, a staffer. She's a counselor there. She had worked there for, I think, 20-some years. Oh, um, yeah, she's yeah. Good. I heard about this gal. Um, her name is Shelley Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. She was with her partner. She's in a same-sex relationship for more than two decades. And somebody alerted school officials that she had been married recently. Like, they sent the administrator her marriage certificate. Fucking like, someone's out to get, get her. Stitches, dude. My dude. And so she met with the administrator and principal. They told her she has to resign or leave after the school year ends, if there's no public drama about it, or, wait for it, dissolve the marriage. Sure, yeah, those are all really good, reasonable choices. Divorce good job, is Netflix. okay, 
but marriage to someone of the same gender is not. Well, That's it's not divorce Catholic. if they don't recognize the marriage in the first place. That's a very fair so, point. So uh, um, we're looking her, at some loopholes here. To her credit, she posted on Facebook and basically t- explained what happened. And she said, I let them know I have no intention of divorcing, no intention of quitting, and no intention of not telling anyone why I have to leave the job I love so much. Now... It, the sympathy is all on her side because what a horrible thing to do to someone who's worked for you for a long time. Here's where I get lost on this story, which is like, what did she think was going to happen? I like, mean... The Catholic Church, the Catholic schools are firm on this. And by the way, I got actually pushback from a guy I really respect who's like, no, 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 the Catholic Church picks and chooses what it wants to. I mean, if uh, this is if they say you can't do this in the dress code or whatever, they'll let it slide if they want to. This is another example of picking and choosing. And my argument back to this person was basically, but I've never seen this line crossed. They're fine if you're gay and on their staff. They are fine if if you're openly gay. They've let that slide. But when you're gay married... I've never seen an example where a Catholic school knows you're gay married and they keep you on staff. By the way, everyone uh, hears you fidgeting. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just really stressed out right now. But um, yeah, Um, they they always get rid of every story I cover like this. But but I don't think that's necessarily fair because you wouldn't hear about somebody who is in a same-sex relationship and the school is cool with it. It wouldn't make the news. Then let me make the let me make it nuance a little bit. If the same sex uh, in a relationship in a marriage person is in the news saying like, oh, the parents are, some parents freaking out because there's a gay married person at their Catholic school. I've never heard that story followed by the Catholic school official saying, no, we like this person. He does a good job and we're keeping him here. It's always been followed by, yeah, we're getting rid of them. I don't care how much the students protest it or the parents protest it, which is happening in this case too. Mm -hmm. They never go back on it. Yeah, I've been peripherally aware of of this story because um, Ball State University is where I I graduated from. And since the uh, Papa John, John, I don't care what his last name Mm -hmm. is, um, he's an alumni of of Ball State. Um, We've discussed on this very program that he's a fucking monster. And the Ball State, the, the board said that, like, now we understand that he dropped an N-bomb, and we understand he said some pretty problematic shit. We're just going to go ahead and keep his money and leave his name on our buildings because, I don't know if you've heard, but we have more minority students this year than ever before. So (laughs) So racism isn't a thing. So racism is dead. Also, it's in Muncie, Indiana. If there's more than 10% people of color on that campus, I would be floored. (laughs) Um, So my, I have... um, this uh, former professor, whom I respect a lot, um, uh, Dr. Ray Peterson, who did, like, the whole English department, I graduated from the English department, the whole English department wrote this really great letter. All of the um, professors of color wrote a letter. And so finally, I think it's yesterday, they finally reversed their decision. But did it in, like, a pretty fucking petty way of, like, well, we thought, basically trying to call it, like, difference of opinions as opposed to, like, naked racism. Um, but my, my, my former professor, uh, Dr. Peterson, was talking about, like, so this asshole who is, a, is demonstrably racist is going to, like, see no consequences for, like, in terms of, like, his alumni contribution and his name on buildings. But this woman, and Dr. Peterson is also gay, um, but this woman who is married to another woman, much like I am, 
got fucking fired. Like, this is what justice looks like. This is what good morals look like. Anyway, Dr. Pe- Peterson kicks ass. Anyway, she scared me a lot when I was a student <laughs> of hers, so. Um, Do you have one more about? Oh, yeah. I mean, God, in light of everything else. Um, this is a happy story. Yeah, no. Uh, Rashida Tlaib? Sure. Um, T-L-A-I-B um, just is set to become uh, the first Muslim woman elected to Congress, which is very exciting for all of us. Um, but So she won her primary in a heavily Democratic district, so it's more or less a foregone conclusion. Minnesota? Why would you ask me that? I don't know. Uh, Michigan. Michigan. 13. Which has a heavily Muslim population. Correct. So... Cool. Um, and again, more diversity, more, and she seems to support church state separation and yeah, all that stuff. And, and so. Yeah, like it's exciting. Like all this is exciting, but like it's really cool how she is sort of taking it in stride. She said, I love that I'm a Muslim and I love that it's such a powerful message, but I just hope people remember why I'm doing this and it's about economic and social justice. So yeah. she, like, she is proud of her accomplishment, but isn't resting on her laurels in any in any way. She's... For Medicare for all, more minimum wage increase. She does, uh, yeah. I mean, she's super progressive. I think she's a democratic socialist. I, I did. Really I don't know if I've heard that so label sorry. attached to her, but yeah, she's definitely a progressive Democrat. So more power to her. That's good. I mean, this is the diversity you want to see. You want to see people from different backgrounds who at least support church state separation. I don't care what they believe mm-hmm. in personally. But good. Oh, she had, oh, Democratic Socialist. Is yeah. she really? Um, she said, I quote, I want the Justice for All Civil Rights Act to get us back to the core intent of what the 64 Act was supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to change it to say, quote, if you show that the impact of the policy itself is discriminatory on the ground as it's implemented, then that's enough to show you violated somebody's civil rights. So this sounds mm-hmm. like a really good progressive voice in Congress and a diverse one that is badly needed right now. So good. that's a nice ending. Hemant, any uh, good news in your life? Uh, good news is I got one more thing for you, which is that I'm uh, speaking in Portland. Oh, yeah. I don't want to forget that one. Uh, I'm speaking in Portland on the 31st. It's a Friday night. It's August. Of August. Portland, Oregon. And basically yeah. what it is is if you've ever heard the podcast slash radio show called Unbelievable, it's hosted by a guy named Justin Brierly. It's a really good show. He's mm-hmm. religious, but he does a good job of including a lot of voices. Uh, he's going to be the moderator I am going to be the atheist on stage, and there is also a Christian apologist. His name is uh, Sean McDowell. You Are may you going to m- debate? We're not debating. You never uh, debate. Sean McDowell is the son of Josh McDowell, also a Christian apologist. But okay. basically, the premise is we are going to be discussing our differences and our beliefs, but it's not an argument. It's not a debate, and Justin's making sure it's not. Cool. Uh, we had that discussion already. That's fine. Because you're right. I hate debates. So uh, it'll be good. It's free. If you want more information, I'll have the link in the show notes. Uh-huh. But Portland, Oregon, Friday, August 31st, free. Why wouldn't you come there? Yeah. Come, come, come. I'll uh, make Lee and Amanda go there. Make them. So, yeah, that was, I'm excited. That'll be a fun thing. Cool. Well, awesome. Um, I got nothing else. This week sucked otherwise. Yeah, this is a really fucking rough week. Oh, I'm going, my friend Anne, who's uh, co-hosted, or uh, guest hosted this podcast, we're having a sleepover tonight because adult sleepovers are the fucking best. <laughs> so we're doing that. I'm very much looking forward to it. And that's it. This week sucked. Next week is not looking much better. <laughs> what is going on? The world's on fire. You cannot stop me from tearing this up anymore. I, I have to. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, right. You can find me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-E. I'm Heaven Meta. Yep. Uh, go to FriendlyAtheist.com. Go to Patreon.com slash Podcast. And, and 
Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know Go what? Give. Tell a friend. Maybe Tell a friend. Maybe don't have them listen to this particular episode. I feel like maybe this isn't the best. <laughs> <laughs> the best jumping In off. The point. montage of memorable <laughs> clips. You're not going to be yeah. playing the beginning of the um, show. Maybe last week's. I think it was last week's was funnier <laughs> and less horrifying. But who knows? Anyway, thank you for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.